So pick up one of these cards. This is great ways to do that. Our, our church is really engaged in mission on a lot of different fronts. We support missionaries in, in Guatemala and in China and Papua New Guinea and um, going to Thailand. We have uh, Campus Crusade for Christ missionaries that we support that are all kind of a part of this church that we support down in Norman. I mean, we want to be a part of what God is doing around the world, and it's a really exciting thing. So one of the things we're exploring doing starting in the fall is really putting these people up and their stories up and letting you hear more about the radical things that God is doing and that we're doing as a church. And so we're going to be, you're going to be hearing a little bit more about that um, as we go. So we're excited to be entering into these relationships. We're going to be lifting them up so we can sort of tell those uh, stories a little bit more. So um, we're glad you're here this morning. If you are here for the first time, we've kind of in the third week of a little journey through the gospel of Luke, and we are glad you're here. Now, oh, real quickly, I got a, a birthday present on Monday when I turned 39 for the second time. Um, it's one of those little activity bracelets, so if you see me doing this, I'm getting points. And uh, I learned that I get my goal by laying on the couch and just doing this right here. So I was thinking about trying to be really active this morning, and then I can just go home and take a nap. So uh, if you see me doing that, that's what we're doing. I'm, I'm getting Nike fuel points while I preach, so it makes Jesus happy. And so... Um, so anyway, that's good. That's what's going on there. But we, we are engaged in the third week of a series, really journeying through the Gospel of Luke. And you've been hearing us talk about it if you've been coming at all. But we got a little book that we've been going through that we're challenging everybody to get in the Word. We just ran out, but if you're interested, I can get more. So let me know if you want to jump in that with us. But really, it's a, a sort of a twice-a-week time that we are going to be diving into the Word individually, moving and, and trying to deepen our relationships with Christ. And then on Sunday mornings, we gather We'll be exploring some of the truths that we've learned that week. It's really kind of that simple. The whole idea is, what if as a church we engaged in God's word together? That's kind of what we're exploring. What would it look like if we opened up God's word together and then explored those truths? And, and really it was an excuse to challenge you and me to spend time with Jesus. And so that's what all this is about. My goal as a preacher, as I said last week, is not to entertain you, not to make you want to come back, not to put, not put you to sleep, but to challenge you to want to get involved in God's word so that you will meet Jesus. And that's, that's it. That's our simple goal. So that's what we're doing. Well, this week we are uh, in chapter five of, our, of where we're going to kind of be looking. And actually the text that I was going to preach on, I, I preached on the same story at church in the park, ironically enough, and just because I hadn't looked ahead enough. So we're going to slide a couple of verses ahead in chapter five. Our study actually had us all in chapter five, but we're going to slide ahead to the calling of one of the first disciples, a guy by the name of Levi. Um, Luke chapter five, starting in verse 27. I say the first, he was really like the fifth disciple called. So I don't, I don't know if that's like middle, I think it's 12, you're kind of still in the first group, so that's good. So we're going to be looking at his life, Math, uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 27, and just those five verses, um, and, uh, and we're going to kind of dive in there. So let's, let's pray for a moment, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into that this morning. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for women uh, like Reagan, for families like the Stevensons, Father, for folks that have given their lives, whether it be just in their daily sacrifice to you or the call, surrendering the call to go to the mission field abroad. Lord, we pray that as a church, uh, Reagan might feel our love, that she might feel our encouragement, God, that she might feel like this family is part of her journey, part of sending her, and that, Lord, in the next six months as she raises support and she prepares her heart spiritually and gets ready physically, God, that you would uh, begin this process for all of us to journey with her. Lord, we pray as we open up the book of Luke that you would move in us, that you would begin to draw our hearts to where you are. Take a moment and just pray in your own heart. Ask God to move in you this morning, just to, to open your heart to his truth.
Pray for someone beside you, even if you don't know their name. Pray that God would just do something radical in their life. Just be in the habit of praying for other people. turn this time over to you. We give our whole morning to you. We ask you to move in us, to draw us to yourself, to reveal truth to us as a scripture. God, we know that an encounter with your word is an encounter with you, and we don't take it lightly, so teach, lightly, so teach our hearts. We ask this in the risen name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So really, this story is a story that's steeped in the ordinary. It's, it's about an ordinary guy going about his ordinary daily life, his ordinary job, when God calls him into this sort of radical thing. And so it's not a story about a Bible superhero. It's not a story about a guy by the name of Moses who moves mountains with his face. It's a story about a sinner, a broken, sinful person who was called and chosen by God to be used in a radical way. And in a lot of ways, this story is really a reflection of, of you and me. It's a reflection of broken, ordinary people that are going to be used by God when we surrender our lives in obedience. Now, for the past couple of weeks in our series, I've really used a word to try and kind of maybe add some context to what we've studied. And the first one, we looked at the birth of Jesus, we talked about worship. That was sort of the context. And then last week, we explored this idea of Jesus reading the scroll of Isaiah in the temple, remember? And, and he was declaring who he was as Messiah, basically saying, I'm the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecy. And we used the word gospel, and we explored that. And this this week, what we're going to be using is the word obedience, and it's a word that I think sometimes we put a little bit too much power in, but obedience really at its, its core is just about the simplicity of saying yes. That's really what obedience boils down to. It's not a, a whole kind of life organizational, I've got to do all these things so I can get everything I go moving on this place forward, but it's simply saying yes to the Lord one moment at a time, and that's what I want you to kind of focus on this morning. So we're in the book of Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> starting in verse 27, and we're just going to read those six verses or so right there. So after this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax collector booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to the disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the right, uh, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So you've got this guy named Levi, who actually is Matthew. All right, Levi's going to get his name changed later on, as a lot of people do when they encounter Jesus. He gives them new identities. Happened with Peter. Peter's name was Cephas before that. He gets a new name when he meets Jesus. Jesus changed people's identities. And Levi was Levi before he met Jesus, and he becomes Matthew. But he's Matthew of his sort of band of disciples. So this is Levi, and Levi's a tax collector, and we know a lot about that. You've heard me talk about those before. They were sinners. Tax collectors were broken, sinful people. Why? Because they were thieves. Their whole job was to collect money from the Jewish people to give it to Rome. But in order to get paid, because the Romans didn't pay them, they just took part of what was theirs, or they took extra. So you'd owe taxes for whatever, and the tax collectors would say, instead of owing 20 rocks or whatever, you owe 25, and I'd keep five for myself. And they would just basically rob people. And so people hated them. Plus, you don't want to pay the tax man anyway, right? Like, but you don't really want to pay the tax man who's robbing you. So you just didn't like them. And they were sinners, and they were thieves, and everybody knew it. The tax collectors really didn't care. Why? Because they were wealthy. 
and they would prey upon the people, and it didn't matter. Well, Levi was a tax collector, and he was a thief, and he was wealthy, and he had a little tax collector booth that he ran, which meant he probably had a whole section of town. And the way these booths would work is that they would literally set up a booth on the side of the road, almost like that lemonade stand when you were a kid. And every time somebody would pass by with the goods or sheep or bundles of weeds or whatever, they would tax you on it. And so every time you went by, it was like the guy going, hey, oh, let me see, uh, yeah, you owe this. And you had to pay as you went by, and they would collect taxes. And people would hate that, but that's what they did. And, and Levi had his own booth, and he would sit there all day long collecting taxes from people. So he's sitting there in his booth doing what he does, collecting money, and Jesus comes by and says two words, follow me. Says that immediately, Levi got up, left his booth, everything there, all the money, and he follows Jesus. Follows him. And then it says that he got together and had a great banquet. Great banquet. He has this huge party, invites all these people, tax collectors, and as, our, as the Bible says, others. Anytime the Bible uses others in the kind of reference of tax collectors, it's talking about other people like tax collectors. Talking about other sinful people. Drug addicts, prostitutes, all kinds of people. The unsavory of the world that would want to come to a really great party. Well, the Pharisees show up because they showed up anywhere Jesus was, mainly to try and trap him and trick him. But they show up, and sure enough, here's Levi with this massive banquet, spending all this money on food and drinks for all these people. And all the people that are there are sinful people. They're people of the world. They're, they're sinners. They're tax collectors. They're whatever. And the Pharisees, of course, hate him, right? Because here is this Jesus. And this band of disciples, which at the time was really only like four guys. It was Peter and those guys that he had called from the lake. I mean, the, the disciples' little group was growing. And it says that the Pharisees look at this little group of disciples, and, he, and he, they say, why do you eat and spend time with these people? And, and it's kind of interesting because the Pharisees are now addressing the disciples, right? They're not addressing Jesus. It says that the Pharisees look at the disciples and say, why do you... <clears throat> eat with these people, because now the disciples are affiliated with Jesus. They are representations of who he is. So when Jesus hangs out with sinful, broken people, the disciples are hanging out with sinful, broken people. And so the Pharisees look at him and they say, why do you hang out with these people? Meaning, why do you spend your time with this sort of filth of the earth? I mean, let's be honest. These people are sinful. They are not religious. They are not righteous. They are a mess. And we're not just talking about poor people. I mean, Levi was a rich man, which means he probably not only at this party had other rich people, but people that were very much of the world. People that would take advantage of other people or, you know, got wealthy doing this or whatever. Just people that the religious wouldn't hang out with. Why do you spend time with these people? Well, before the disciples even get a chance to answer, right, it says that Jesus answered. So the disciples are poised with this question. They're kind of brand new in this, and Jesus answers, and he basically says, look, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to save the righteous, but to come for the sinners. And, and basically what he's saying is it's not that the Pharisees were um, healthy. It's not that they weren't sinners. But the understanding was this, is that you've got to recognize your own need for sin before you understand salvation. I've, been, I've said this a ton of times. The greatest theological concept that any of us could ever understand is the theological doctrine of sin. Because once we understand sin, we understand our need. Because if we don't understand sin, we can't understand our need. We don't understand creation, God's relationship with us, the purpose of Jesus. All of those things, even relationship with other people, makes no sense apart from the original doctrine of sin. Jesus is basically saying that people that know that they are broken understand their need for salvation. 
But those of us that are gathered think we've got everything perfectly religiously kind of played out. Like I'm a Pharisee and I know this stuff and it's about me and I've got it all down. Like we don't even recognize that we need God. That's what Jesus is saying. So when you look at the story as a whole, I'm really fascinated by this life of Levi and this little bitty interaction. We really don't know much else. We've got six verses to go on, but I'm really fascinated by it because I think that Levi really is a picture of, well, of a lot of us, this picture of just ordinary people going about our sort of ordinary lives when God wants to do something extremely radical that makes absolutely no sense. And so there's a few things I want you to see in the life of Levi um, that I think are worth looking at. The first is that he was really just sort of going about his life, which is what I think most of us do, right? We just go about our day. I mean, he got up like he would on any other day. He went to his booth on any other day. He unlocked it or uncovered it or whatever it was. And he sat there and he waited for the guy with a bundle of weeds to come by so he could tax him. I mean, this is what he did. He was probably sitting there just out of the sun thinking about whatever he was going to have for dinner. He was not consumed with anything else that we see. He was just there. <coughs> Excuse me. And Jesus walks by and he says, follow me. So here we've got this, this Levi that is consumed or sort of wrapped up in his ordinary life. Not a negative thing, just sewn up in who he is. And Jesus comes by and, and Levi hears his voice. Now, there's something interesting here because Levi wouldn't have been a stranger to Jesus. This, this story takes place in a town called Capernaum, which is sort of the home base of the earthly ministry of Jesus. And when I say home base, I mean that Jesus wandered all around the Judean countryside, but he would always come and go from this town. It's where Peter was from, it's where Levi was from, it becomes this home base of sorts. And so the reality is, is that Jesus had probably walked by Levi's tax collector booth dozens, if not hundreds of times. Levi had heard about Jesus. Everybody had heard about Jesus. They heard about the miracles and the, the sort of kind of things like turning water into wine and this calling of Peter, who Levi would have known as a fisherman from the same town he was. He would have known who he was and how, how Peter had given up his life. This guy Cephas, who had had his name changed, had given up his life, left his fishing and all that to follow this Jesus. He'd heard those stories. He'd probably even heard him talking as he goes by. He was familiar with Jesus' voice. But for whatever reason on that day, Jesus says two words and everything changes for Levi. He looks at Levi and he just says, follow me. No other explanation, no other where. Are we going for a snack, getting lunch, what are we doing? Like nothing, just follow me. And Levi leaves everything. It says that he leaves his booth and he follows him. Left everything. He got up, left it all. Money, you don't leave money laying around. Left it laying around, everything, and he followed Jesus. So he got this guy going about his ordinary life, kind of designed by his ordinary existence, and Jesus walks up and says, follow me, and for some compelling reason, and we don't really even know why, besides the sort of movement of God, Levi gets up and leaves everything and follows him, and we know because we see the whole of scripture, Levi's life is completely changed, he never goes back. He becomes a disciple and writes a gospel and does all these amazing things, but he never goes back to the booth. So you've got this interaction, and it causes something radical to happen in Levi, because he turns everything over. At that point in time, he basically just says two words from Jesus, and I give this whole life up, my whole existence, my sort of wealthy collection of text collector dollars and identity, I'm walking away from it. I mean, it makes no sense, really. 
that this Jesus says, follow me, and I walk away from my career, my life, my existence, my sort of ability to provide financially for my family, for all those things, because Jesus says, follow me, and he doesn't even tell me where we're going? I mean, it really makes no sense from an earthly standpoint. So you get this ordinary guy going about his ordinary life when Jesus speaks and he hears him say, follow me, and he turns everything over. But then he does something absolutely incredible, which I find beyond remarkable. It says that after he followed him, he held a great banquet. <clears throat> now, I don't know what you would do after you just walked away from your job and all of your sort of financial promise. But I guess, I'm guessing it would not be try and spend all the money you have on a party for a bunch of your friends. My, real, my response would be, okay, so I'm giving this up. I got it. It's kind of crazy. I don't really know what I'm doing. I got a lot of questions for you, Jesus. So if you don't mind, let's sit down tonight. Let me ask you, where are we going? That's a good start. What does this look like? You know, can I be treasure? I'm pretty good with money. I can count coins. I can work the abacus. Like, I, I've got this stuff down. I know I used to do one for you, one for me. I won't do that anymore. I'll do all for you. I mean, I promise. Right? I'm, a, I'm an I'm accountant by trade. So let me use my gifts. Or what are we doing? Or, or do I get to come back? Or can I pack a bag? I got all these questions. We don't see that in the text. Maybe ask him. I don't know. But what we see Levi do is throw a party. To basically say, sweet, I just quit my job. Now I'm going to give away all my dollars to my friends on drinks and great idea. It makes no sense. What you would think Levi would do is saying, okay, I don't know that I'm coming back to that, so what I need to do is I need to stock much, stock as much of this away as I possibly can in case this thing with Jesus doesn't work out. In case I get a couple years and it doesn't happen or a couple months and I want to go back, I can go back to my job and my money and all that and I've saved it, which is how we normally follow Jesus. Absolutely, I'll follow you. Hey, let me take care of it. Just a few things. Sew up a few loose ends, put a few things away, make sure I've got all the things answered that need to be answered, and then I'll say, yeah, course to whatever you want. Levi throws this party, he celebrates. And here's why I think he celebrates. I don't think he celebrates so that he can demonstrate his wealth and throw a party and try and impress Jesus. Because look at who he invites. He invites all the people that he knows. He invites the tax collectors and the sinners and the broken and all those other people that are worldly and are apart from everything religious. And he invites Jesus or he's with Jesus. I simply think, and there's no real way of knowing, but I simply think that Levi threw this party just to introduce all of his friends to this guy that just called him out of his life. Now, I don't think it's some big evangelical tool where Levi was in, you know, to share all these, I don't think he knew all that yet. I just think he wanted people to meet the guy that called him out of his booth. And he celebrated the fact that he had just said yes to Jesus. He celebrated it. He threw a party. Most of us, when we say yes to Jesus, we celebrate with anxiety, worry, fear. How am I going to do this? How is this going to happen? What am I going to do? What are my parents going to say? Ordinary life. Hears the voice of Jesus, turns it over, celebrates. And in that celebration, basically what he declares is that I'm going to live without regret. Like, I'm going to give this, and I'm going to invite people, and I'm going to have a party, and I'm going to celebrate, and I'm going to follow this Jesus, and I'm not going to live wishing I went back. In Levi's life, is forever changed. Just read the book of Matthew. It's forever changed. So th- this little simple sequence of events got me thinking about this. What if I, me, right here, was able to be obedient that way to Jesus? Not with the massive life change. A lot of times we think obedience means I got to do what Reagan's doing. God's calling me to get rid of everything and move to Thailand. Sometimes the little calls of obedience are just simply to step out of your booth. See, Matthew, or Matthew, or who will be Matthew, Levi had no idea where he was going. Jesus didn't tell him that ultimately he would die for following him. 
He may not have left at that point in time. He just simply said, follow me. Sometimes the little calls of obedience are the ones that change lives. But see, we want all the answers before we go. We want to sit in our tax collector booth where things are safe and comfortable and financially secure. And we want to yell out the window at Jesus saying, absolutely. Now, how am I going to get paid? What am I going to do? What am I going to say? Well, we ask all these questions. Are you sure you can really take care of me? If I leave all this behind, what if I just take part of it with me and do it step at a time? That's what we want to do. But Jesus' words are simple, follow me. And what if simply we were able to obediently and with obedience just say, today my goal, my whole goal with my life is to just say yes to Jesus. Without all the answers, without all the sort of discussion, but just say yes. And sometimes that simple obedience is really small. Like, I want to speak to that person in my office. I want to actually not be overwhelmed with the financial struggles in my life. I want to believe and say yes that God is in control of me. I want to say yes and actually step out on faith and risk for that one moment to ask my neighbor who I've known for 15 years if they'd like to go to church with us or come to dinner or just hang out. See, Levi's step of faith and obedience was not to change the world to become a disciple so that 2,000 years later we could read his gospel. Levi's step of faith was just saying yes to Jesus' simple response of follow me. Changed him forever. What if we used whatever it was that we have in our life and said, Jesus, all this is yours, and I just simply want to say yes to you. I've got a video I want you to take a look at as we close our time, and I want you to think about how you could use your ordinary, everyday moments to just say, Jesus, my life is about 